just when you thought the Philadelphia sports landscape had reached an absolute fever pitch with the signing of Bryce Harper, the Philadelphia Eagles went out and stole headlines by re-signing Jason Peters. I'm Russ Joy. You can find me on Twitter at Joy on Broad. I'm joined as always by my co-host, the fantastic, the well, the even keeled Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Kevin, how are you? Good. Yeah, even keeled's a good way to describe it. I've learned that if you don't do any hot takes, then you never get mentioned to the freezing to- cold takes account on Twitter. You know. Yep. Uh, so we we have a bunch to get into today. Of course, we have. Um, the NFL legal tampering period, which is, uh, I don't know, I think is like the biggest joke in sports. Um, more, ex- infinitely more exciting though than anything that happened in baseball over like the last two months. Uh, seriously, you know? it's, it's true. It's like if you took the last three or four months of, uh, of baseball's off season, com- you know, <laughs> compounded into like one, one, like <laughs> 10 days. minutes stretch. Um, but legal tampering started. So there are Eagles in Eagles out. And of course, as I mentioned, Jason Peters is back in the fold and I have, I have an opinion on that one, so we'll get around to that. Um, of course, we also have to talk about the Sixers, the fact that they're going down their their final stretch run here, and they've had some very up and down performances over the last few uh, few games. Bryce Harper facing a four man outfield, and uh, Jake Voracek has uh, you know he's about to serve the second game of uh, a two game suspension. That we'll get to that a little bit later, and a, a couple Flyers points For later on a guy in the show. With his back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll get to that uh, later in the show. I guess you know. Let's uh, let's get it back to the Eagles really quick. D Jax, D Jax, how you feeling, man? Duh. I'm feeling good, right? Is yeah. that what I'm supposed to say? You like um, it? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not upset with it. Um, I, I think initially, uh, when the reports had come out that Deshaun Jackson was interested in in re- reuniting with the Eagles, and I think that had come out a year or two ago that he didn't leave with animosity towards a lot of the people within the organization. It was really a, a thing where he had, you know, he was obviously at odds with Chip Kelly. Um, I think the idea had always kind of been there in the back of my mind of like, wouldn't it be nice to have a guy who could really pop the top off the defense mm-hmm. to not have to rely on a guy like Mike Wallace or I think Torrey Smith did a good job in his year here, but like realistically Deshaun Jackson now gives you that guy who you legitimately have to, uh, you know, defend against as, as a defense, you've got to plan around him. And uh, if nothing else, I think having Alshon Jeffrey on one side, uh, Nelson Aguilar on the slot, but then more importantly, Deshaun Jackson on the other side, that is going to free up so many four-yard slants by Zach Ertz for Carson <laughs> Wentz to find his favorite target on. Are you, listen, are you Josina Anderson's source? I may or may not be. <laughs> are you feeding the person who actually is her source? Uh, maybe. I'm trying to find the Deshaun story here. Of course, I I can't. Of course, I can't find it because I wrote like 40 bazillion stories on here. He he fits in need, Russ. You know, so it's like that's why it it works for me because I wasn't necessarily. I, I I feel like you had you had kind of two different approaches to to as as far as the two different camps of like bringing Deshaun back. Like you have this group of people that's like bring Deshaun back. Let's bring Shady back because it's like the sentimental kind of middle finger to chip kelly because they were not you know they didn't like the way that those two guys left the team okay well that's uh, the sentimentality of it is whatever that's not practical necessarily you got to say are these guys a good fit you know does shady still have it does deshaun still have it deshaun still does have it i mean he only played 12 games this year because he had that achilles thing but he had like 700 some yards and 40 some catches and like what four touchdowns i think it's exactly what the Eagles did not have last year. Yep. Um, and he doesn't. He doesn't have to be. This is the thing that people are kind of forgetting. Like, like in 2013, 2014, You know, when he was here back in the day, who were the other receivers on the Eagles roster? The Riley, receivers, Riley Cooper. We, we, yep. J, uh, Jason Avant. Yep. Um, Jeff Mail. <laughs> you I know, miss like Jeff Desh- Mail. Mail time, baby. It was a shame that he never uh, he never took off better, you know. I know. So, like the the thing with Deshaun coming back is that he he doesn't really have to be the kind of premier guy, you know, because you've got a ton of money. They have a ton of money wrapped up in the wide receiver position. And when you look at Zach Ertz being what he is, I mean, think about Alshon Jeffrey lining up on the outside as a big bodied possession Mike Evans kind of guy, right? Uh, Nelson Aguilar, who had his best year with the Eagles in the slot. And, you know, 
had to bounce back and forth last year because of the in, the injury first to Mike Wallace and then bringing in Golden Tate kind of messed him up again. And then Deshaun Jackson, all he, all he has to do is run, you know, some outs, some goes, some fly routes. You know, Deshaun can be a WR two um, and take the top off. You know, he doesn't have to have to be the guy. You know, so I think that's something that that people haven't really been talking about as much. But but when you when you go through and you look at that, Carson, I think the statistic was that he was throwing the ball down the field on average. God, I had I had it written down here somewhere. Um, oh, my God. Oh, here's – okay, so here's the one for Deshaun. The, the top five receivers last year in how, how far down the field they were, they were targeted. So how many yards down the field were they targeted when the ball was thrown? Robert Foster was number one, 20.6 yards per target down the field. Deshaun was number two, 19.1 yards down the field per target. You know, Fitzpatrick was throwing bombs to him. Um, Jameis Winston was throwing bombs to him. And then your third guy after that is Robbie Anderson at 16.5 yards. So really there are only two guys who were who were consistently above 17 or 18 yards, and Deshaun was one of them. It is crazy. I, I mean, when you think about the, the move and – it is funny. Like I'm looking back now at that 2013 team, his last year here. We of course forgot uh, Demaris Johnson, which is mm-hmm. a shame. No. Poor Demaris. Let's pour one out. <laughs> Let's pour one out for Demaris Johnson, real yeah. quickly. Speaking of pouring one out, I know we didn't have this in the uh, the show sheet. Let's pour one out for Josh Innes, who was uh, yeah. recently let go by 7:90 a.m. in uh, in Houston. Oh, a moment of silence, please, for my former co-host, it's Josh Innes. I know. It's just it's. It's an outrage. It's such a shame, isn't it? Hold on a second. We're pouring one out. And there it is. Okay. All right. Um, I wasn't much of a... I'll, I'll say I wasn't much of a Josh guy. How about that? Really? Yeah, I mean, well, he was at WIP when I was at Channel 3, and like a couple interactions I had with him were just sort of like, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed a, I enjoyed. <laughs> didn't, my... I don't think he seemed to have any interest in developing any kind of relationship with anybody at WIP or anybody at CBS. Like You're saying he uh, lacked emotional intelligence like Chip Kelly allegedly did, who, yeah. of course, unceremoniously cut Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson. All those years ago, we've been robbed of the jackpot for multiple years, and now we bring home our boy Deshaun Jackson. It's well, very he wants exciting to be. Time. I mean, he's excited to be back here. He wants to be back here. Dudes want to play here. Like, they, he didn't want to leave in the first place. You know? No, and I think that's a good thing. Um, Sean McCoy didn't want to leave in the first place, but you can't just go back to yourself and say, like, we got to bring this guy back and, and right a wrong. We got to bring this guy back and right another wrong because that, that was how many years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, you won the friggin' Super Bowl. So it's, it's, I don't know how big that portion of people is who are like, we want to get the band back together. I don't think I, it's I that, I don't think it's that big. Dude, that stuff drives me nuts too. Cause like when I look at this, it's like, remind me, maybe I missed it. I might've fallen asleep for a few years. Remind me what Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy ever won. Was there a year they won the Super Bowl and I just happened to miss it? Was I in a coma? Well, I don't, don't think say I was. that, and and it's and like, you know, you try to use that logic. I try to say the same thing about Jason Peters. Like they did just fine without him. In listen, I'm going to get Jason Peters. People don't get even, all don't even people touch. get all offended. Don't no, we'll get. Let's get to that right now. Let's do uh, Jason Peters right now. Because um, talking about bringing the band back together, like guys who probably who you question whether they should be here or not. Um, the fact of the matter is the Eagles won the Super Bowl without Jason Peters. They didn't need him. That's not to say that he didn't play well last year because he looked pretty good when he was on the field last year. But number one, he can't stay on the field. 79% of the snaps he played. And, and more, more than anything, Russ, like it, it, to, me, it's, it's, to me it's not even about necessarily about bringing Jason Peters back. It's about the fact that you are in this position to have to rely on a 37-year-old because you haven't been able to develop a guy to replace him yet. Bingo. Ding, 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 freaking ding. I, the the thing here that I, I I hate being right sometimes, and one of the things I hate being right about, what it's and hu- true and humble too. No, 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 no. Because when I'm wrong, I sometimes admit I'm wrong. Yeah. I was not wrong about this. I was right about this. I said this to Kyle. I said this to Lefko, who's the guy who's you know the the big football guy who told me I was crazy when I said that Jason Peters was washed up, and he is. Now, look, there, there are a few things I think you have to take or keep in mind when you think of Jason Peters. If the idea here is that Jason Peters is going to almost platoon, right? If he's going to be your left tackle this year, but the idea is to get um, you know, Halapulavati Vitae in a position where he can take on more snaps, or maybe you think that Jordan Mailata with another offseason is going to 
begin like let's say that this is essentially last year was his like rookie or his uh, freshman season in college right like let's just go with that idea mm-hmm. i mean really it's almost like like high school for him right because he had to learn the game he had to learn the position i didn't expect him to be a, a huge contributor in the first year you know now you can say all right with another year of conditioning with another year of working around this team and putting in the hours that it sounded like he put in last year you've got to think that for jordan mylotta you have to be better than an inactive on this 53 man roster right like it can't happen this year. If the idea is Jason Peters is going to come in here and as a way to try to keep him fresh, you're going to get him, you know, half of the snaps in a game, like then I think it's fine. And at the at the cost, knowing what he can be when he is on the field, granted that's only like 75% of the time, mm-hmm. then like fine, like cool. I'm not a huge Jason Peters fan now. Anytime I bring it up, somebody on Twitter says, this guy's a Hall of Famer. How could you not want him back? Well, because he's not Hall of Fame Jason Peters right now. Well, that's, yeah, and right? we're, not, like, so we're not disrespecting and that's, that's or disregarding the thing that drives me nuts. what, what you he's could, done in the past. You, you know? could bring Terrell Owens in right now, and I'd say, no, that's yeah. a terrible idea. Terrell Owens isn't going to be able to get separation in this league. You say, oh, well, he was a, he's a Hall of Famer. Say, well, that's great, but he's not a Hall of Famer now. Right, like that's the stuff that I don't. That is the the thing that I feel like people never understood about what I said about Jason Peters. He can be a good left tackle. He's not Pro Bowl Jason Peters. He's not going to be Pro Bowl Jason Peters. If you think that he's going to be this year, you're out of your mind. It's more about the fact that you that the the left tackle of the future. You don't know if if that if he is on your roster right now. How has this team not addressed the position? It could you know they. Big V, obviously, I guess is not the guy. Mayalata didn't even play football before, so how can you say with any certainty what he is or what he isn't? And then you had this whole idea that they were going to move Lane Johnson from the right to the left when when Peters retired. Uh, but that that's not what they're going to do either. And that and that's even like less important these days because you know pass rushers are lining up on all all sides of you know all sides both sides of the of the quarterback now. So I, I think the left versus right thing isn't as important as it used to be. But but no, I'm with you, Russ. It's it's not it's not about it's not even as much about Jason Pierce. It's just the fact that you don't have – you had multiple years to develop to find the left tackle of the future, and I don't know if that person is on the roster right now, but these these Jason Peters stands come flying out of the woodwork and say, he's really good, he's really good. Guess what? They won the fucking Super Bowl without him. And don't give me this shit that, like, they had to help Big V out, they had to put a tight end over here, they had to chip with him. Yeah, they did a lot of that in the first couple games when he took over, and then they kind of dialed that back week after week after week. So – I don't need all these people telling me that 37-year-old Jason Peters is the answer when you know as well as I do that he's not the future here. Doesn't no, mean and, that he's not a pro bowler. Times... It doesn't mean that you don't it doesn't mean that you don't like respect what he's done here or appreciate what he's done here. It's Ariana Grande, dude. It's thank you next. Let's move Ooh. on to the next thing, right? Ooh. Ooh, look at you. Thank no, you, but, next. No, but seriously, like, go back and break Pete down the Davidson, film. from. thank you, next. Go, oh, oh, oh. go back and break down the film Kate of Beckinson. Jason Peters last year. There were so many times that he was sent a second guy, right? And that's kind of to, like, what you were saying. But, like, you know, with, with Vitae a lot of times, and, and even this is where I felt like like uh, Stephen Wisniewski, Stephen Wisniewski was, uh, was uh, scapegoated in a lot of ways. I, I don't think Wisniewski was able to, to hide uh, or obscure... No, obscure is not the word. Maybe real, it really is to hide um, the the deficiencies that that Peters had laterally. His lateral quickness isn't there. If he's not able to meet his uh, his man at the point of contact, he has one move, and that's that's drop back, drop back, drop back, drop back. And I know that like technique wise, that is a thing that you're supposed to do. But when the only thing you can do yeah. is drop straight back, you've now created a new gap. Uh, between your man and and your guards man yeah, uh, he got he would get he would get killed on the outside he'd get slaughtered on the inside because once a guy knows that if he fakes outside and cuts in peters can't keep up with him like fine if the idea here is that you're gonna have to continue to to shift your guard over a bit and essentially double team or bring another tight in tight end into the game to help jason peters with his man then I'm sorry, like, I, I can't imagine. If Halapulivati Vitae is that much worse, then you've done a really terrible job. If you look back at this team's track record of first-round draft picks on um, on offensive linemen, in the last, uh, since 2004, yeah, since 2004, they've only ever drafted three guys, three offensive linemen. Can you name them? Uh, sorry, I was reading, um, I was no, looking for this story on a only uh, three, only three offensive linemen have been drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah. going back to even 2004. I mean, we could take it back further. Jordan, we go back to 99. Lane Johnson. No, no, no. First round, first round oh, picks. First My, round. Yeah, Lane Johnson. Sorry, first. 
Yeah. Danny Watkins. Yes. Um, going back to 2004. Yep. Guy battled depression and they signed his uh, brother oh, to a oh, massive um, deal. God, uh, what the hell's his name? Sean Andrews. Sean Andrews. Sean Andrews. God, Don't forget, forgot they signed his Jesus, brother yeah. Stacy from the uh, the Stacey Bengals. Andrews. That, that's that wasn't a mess or anything. Andrews. So Russ, yep. listen, they they um the the Wisniewski thing I always felt was weird, and um, um Brandon Lee Galton at um at Bleeding Green. You remember earlier this year when he, when Wiz came out and he said, I you know I have some theories as to why I've been benched and blah blah blah. Yep. So he he, he found some of Trey Thomas quotes from uh i think they were from they were related to evan evan mathis so you remember when mathis was like holding out yeah um and jason peters was asked about and peters didn't seem to be really concerned about math mathis at all yeah um so here's a quote from from trey tom from trey thomas um, talking about the Evan Mathis, Jason Peters situation from a couple years ago, right? Uh, he said, I know Evan is a two-time pro bowler, but he and Jason Peters play a different style of the game. Evan Mathis is a guy who likes to jump set and likes to take everything at the line of scrimmage. This is kind of what you're talking about, right? Jason Peters is a guy who likes to set back and let his guy come to him. Uh, he came up in the same school of thought as Juan Castillo. He likes to count his steps, and everything is about timing and punching the guy to take him past the quarterback. Uh, Evan is meeting his guy right on the line, and Jason Peters is about three yards behind him. He's setting back, and that puts them on two different levels, which create issues creates issues and problems uh, when the rushers run games against them. Bingo. So, so I need to – yeah, I mean, I would, I would like to go back and look at those first couple games and see if that gap – if they were setting at different levels, like like Trey Thomas is talking about Evan Mathis here, but you know the Sayamalo thing, it's like because when you looked at how they the two of them Sayamalo and Wisniewski performed over the year, there really wasn't anything that was like super different separating them, you know. Yep. Um, no, what, I mean, what, like I said, it, it's going to create a massive hole in in the B gap, and because there's that three yard or so separation, like mm-hmm. it just allows a defense to send like a, a delayed stunt with a linebacker through that hole. And that's where you ended up getting, you know, pressure on uh, first Carson Wentz and then eventually Nick Foles' yeah, blind side. Yeah. And like that ultimately, I think, is is the issue. Now, look, if, if they go into next year, and like I said, if they draft a guy, which would be nice, it would be nice to see the team actually invest in the offensive line. I know that it felt like for the longest time, all Andy Reid ever did was draft linemen either on, you know, I mean, it was more defensive, uh, defensive line. Yeah, heavy, he but always like, like those like tweener kind of yeah. half linebacker, half, you know. Yep. Um, I look, I think at and, some point you have to address it in the draft. And if you're not going to address it in free agency, then you ha- like, I, I don't know how you do it. I, if, if you are not able at this point to get Halapula Vadi Vaitai in there and make him at least a, a passable left tackle, then it, it, I think it's an indictment on your draft process. I like how you honest. always say Halapuli Vati. Everybody, you're probably the only person in this city who, who actually says his full name. Because I am not afraid. Halapulavati Vaitai. What's up? <laughs> is this you like Don't flexing as, uh, as somebody who speaks like three languages or something? Yes. And who has no Halapulavati Vaitai. You're welcome. Okay, so listen. Um, I like well, I like uh, listening to the national guys though. Like that's I think more than anything. Like Jason Peters is an easy name. Like I don't want to let uh, what's his name Kevin Burkhart the the C mm-hmm. uh, the C team Fox play by play guy. <laughs> Like I like I like hearing these guys uh, try to pronounce Halapulavati Vaitai and then like have the color the color guy come on uh, Hal Hala I know Vaitai yeah you think at that Vati. level that the yeah. preparation would be a little bit better but it's not um, speaking of linemen Nelson I so what I was gonna say speaking of linemen you can flip flip the script to the other side really quick uh, uh, you want to talk Jackson. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Malik Jackson was a was an interesting signing. I love the fact that when the news initially broke, it sounded like it was a uh, uh, three year, ten million dollar deal, and we said, "Holy crap!" <laughs> it was like how, like, oh, Howie Rose, like, man. And then it was like, and I, I jokingly like boasted in Slack, I'm like, it's almost as if uh, good players will take less money to play for a real contender. And, like, we're all getting excited. Like, oh, my God, this guy, he won a Super Bowl. Like, he's actually a real player. And then uh, He's going to be able to step later, in and, like, was, take, yeah. like, the corpse, the animated corpse of Haloti Nada's place and <laughs> Timmy Jernigan's grill. Like, he can be all in yeah. one. It was so exciting. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. It's not three years, 10 million. It's three years at 10 million per. Oh. It was just one big, oh. one big fart sound after that. Yep. One big deflating uh, 
whoopee cushion going. But yeah, listen, dude, I mean, he's what, 29? Um, yep. He's coming off a not great season in Jacksonville, but did anybody really have a great season in, in Jacksonville, you know? Um, you know Blake Bortles get- certainly didn't. He just got cut, by the way. So uh, rest in peace, Blake Bortles. Let's pour one out for Blake Bortles. He joins Blake Josh Bortles Ennis Josh. on the pour one. <laughs> It's just the pouring out podcast. We're just pouring. Who one has out. more fans, Josh Ennis or Blake Bortles? Uh, give us a call on our uh, Google Voice hotline. I forgot the number, but I'll find it. Don't worry. Um, we'll have that by the end. Of the Malik Jackson just being. I mean, he's been healthy his entire career. I mean, I think he said today at his introductory press conference he's never really been injured. Uh, Tim Journey and everybody knows what his issues were. Haloti Nada was thirty. What whatever years of thirty four. Thirty four um, going on sixty. Thirty four going on sixty. Um, great player back in the day though he, he used was. to be fun to watch just man. like jason peters that three, they four. were good yeah. back in the day. yeah um yeah i mean it makes a lot of sense so so you're so you're looking left to right now or right to left whatever you want to say brandon graham fletcher cox malik jackson and Derek barnett not bad no um uh, you know they still need Who's the third guy at defensive tackle? Because you know how they like to rotate so much. You know, Bo Allen and Tim Jernigan played almost a, a similar amount of, of snaps in the um, in in this Super Bowl winning year. Like before, you know, before the injury and all that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think they like Trayvon Hester. I mean, seemed to get some run last year. You know, Chris Long is he coming back? Is he going to play? And you know, Michael Bennett's obviously out of the picture. Um, and I don't, I don't, you know, I guess that I think it's probably something, something they're, they're going to address in the, at the draft. Yeah, it's a deep, be my guess, it's right? a deep drift. I, I still think 25th pick, I, th- I still think you go with the best defensive lineman available, whether whether it's an end or whether it's a tackle, because it's it's probably the deepest D-line draft that they've had in like 10 years probably, you know. Um, yep. You still need a linebacker. You know, Jordan, did you have any thoughts on Jordan Hicks going to yeah. Arizona? Yeah, you know what? I, I like Jordan Hicks as a player, but I um, – I really hope the Arizona Cardinals fans enjoy the four games that he plays before he goes down with another season-ending injury. Mm. Um, it's Billy a shame. Davis like, is, his posi- uh, is his position coach out there. Oh, Billy cool. Davis. oh good. I don't trust anybody who has a Y on the end of their name. Like, if you're a 56-year-old man and, and you're going by the name Billy, yeah. I feel like at some point, you don't have to go full-on William, you don't have to go Billiam, Bill but could you at least, like... You mean Bill? Is Bill okay? Is that asking too much? I think um, the Arizona like Joey Cardinals, like Joey Fatone, right from from InSync, still goes by Joey. Why are you going as Joey? <laughs> be Joe. I'm not asking you to be Joseph. Now, I'm not they, asking uh, you to go um, ethnic like Josephino. No, I'm just asking you to be Joe. Are they? Uh, are the Cardinals? I have no clue. Are they a four three defense or a three four? I have no idea right now. Because um, I think Hicks had his best year with the Eagles when they played 3-4 three, three, four three, four, in yeah. 20, whenever the hell that was. So maybe maybe they play that out there. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I, I know, like he, him. He was, a good, he was a good young linebacker. He was yeah. a guy that, for, like, Gruden used to. Remember how he got a good money deal? Gruden, he got a good money deal. I'm telling you, man, this guy, this guy uh, Jordan Hicks, man, he's got a lot of, lot of skill out here, man. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of speed, <laughs> and he hits, he hits like a cement truck, man. I'm telling you, I love him, love him. <laughs> I mean, I Antonio, said Brown, that about, Antonio like, Brown going to the Raiders, man. What a world. I'm telling you, man. Mike Mayock, man. He's a great GM. Great GM, <sighs> Philly man. Philly guy, too. Yeah. Oh. Um, t- no, but seriously. <laughs> here, let me, let me ask you this. <laughs> they've, um, had a, they've had a heck of an offseason. They have had a heck of an offseason. Um, Nelson Aguilar, no surprise. Are you, were you surprised they kept him around with that money? No, because because of the uh, the acquisition of Deshaun Jackson on the outside, now you let Nelson go back into the slot, to where he was and all good. of a sudden yeah. he's a much more deadly player. Um, in that in that spot you on the field, you can't like people say. Well, it's a lot of money, but I mean, what has been the Eagles' identity always? It's the passing game and the defensive line. You know, nope. that's always what it is and what it has been. Like I know people kind of fretting about the running back position. I mean, if the season started today, like Wendell Smallwood would be your starter, but. They throw the ball a lot. That's Andy Reid. That's Doug Peterson. That's what your strengths are. You know, they could very well have the best receiving core in the NFL next year. Yeah, right? it's, I mean, it's I up there. I don't yeah, think it's Yeah, when you when you mix the tight ends into that, that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ertz and Goddard like, together. That's... the Chiefs and, like, who who they've got. If you take all their, their skill players and you lump them into one thing as, as pass catchers, you know, look at what the Rams have when they're healthy, but – 
I don't I don't I don't think nine point three million dollars. I think everybody's kind of weirded out on the Aguilar thing with the money because his he went from like not having much of a cap hit at all to having a big cap hit. Yep. You know, I think he's like the sixth highest paid player on the team now, or counts the sixth most against the cap. So I think that's I think the disparity of what it was last year to what it is now. I think that's why people were kind of freaking out about it a little bit, but it wasn't really too much of a big deal. Um, Tevin Coleman to the 49ers. Weird for ten, uh, two years at ten million. Weird. He could have got more than that. That's less. What did Mark Ingram get? Three years, fifteen. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, I mean, I was I, actually surprised the Eagles weren't involved more on either of these guys that they didn't land one of them. I know well, that and Le'Veon Bell didn't get as much. I think he ended up taking less money than what the Steelers originally offered him. Right? Yeah, I believe so. See, here's the here's the thing. Like for the Eagles, I looked at it and I thought that maybe getting one of these veteran running backs was going to be good. This makes me think now that Jai is going to be the plan. Um, Ajayi mm-hmm. was one of the you know if you remember right after they acquired Jackson before the team had officially announced that he put up a picture of him and and Deshaun. So I mean I, I'm getting the feeling now that he realizes there's not going to be a market for him, and you know maybe he plays on a one year show me something kind of deal for the Eagles or it's a two year deal but it's a low number. I I don't think Jai is is going to find a a large deal anywhere so yeah i mean if nothing else like you know at least what you have in jhi and you know what you don't have in jhi so now you can go out you hope that a, a year of uh you know cory clement being healthy maybe that ends up you know you get to see a little bit of development out of him but you know that somewhere in the mid rounds you could try to find a running back feels like every team in the league has been good at finding mid to late round running backs except for the Eagles. So at some point they've got to hit on one, right? It it only yeah. stands to reason that it's going to happen. Yeah, I like David Montgomery. Um I think he'll be around later. I still think he used that 25th pick on a on a defensive lineman no matter what, but uh TJ Yeldon's out there, Alex Collins, uh Spencer Ware, Jordan Howard. Like Jordan these guys Howard. are all Yeah. They're all like eh. They're all meh, like second, third running backs. I don't know if you really go out of your way to to bring yeah. any of them in. Again, like I think T.J. Yeldon's if, not a bad pass blocker and pass catcher. Yeah, he's only twenty six years old. Um, uh, he, you know, he got a lot of run obviously because Leonard when Leonard Fournette went down. Um, that was a lame ass fantasy pick by me this year. But um, can we talk about? Hey, here's a uh, here's a good thing. Yes, here's a positive. The uh, the division is really going out of its way to uh to you know get the eagles crowned again there has been nothing quite like watching the new york giants implode i mean it's funny it's like the knicks at one point this uh this season said you know what let's let's crater our chances let's trade away chris Stapp's porzingis Mm. to clear up some money so we can go try to pursue two free agents who very likely might not even come here. Well, you get let's Dennis, trade him. Dennis let's, Smith Jr., who you who you yeah. passed on in the. <laughs> he does he does three sixty dunks, and all of a sudden, thank God. Um, but this hap- that happens right, yeah. and, the, and it's like, oh my God, you know, we're now the biggest joke in this city. Everybody hates us. Mm. We've we've ruined a historic franchise, and then Gettleman from the Giants looks and goes, "Hold my beer," and uh, goes out and trades Odo Beckham. Now, the one positive in this is he did get a first-round pick as part of the package. He got a safety to replace Landon Collins, mm-hmm. who signed a ridiculous contract with the Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's like... It's not like it's horrific um, value. I don't think it's anywhere near what, no. what Odo Beckham no, Jr. In a, is. In a vacuum, but when, in a vacuum it's, it, but it's when, fine. When you look at what Antonio Brown netted the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I know a few Steelers fans who all had heartburn uh, when that deal went through for a third and a fifth-round pick. And then once the Beckham deal went through... I got pinged by a bunch of those friends who are all like, this is an absolute disgrace now for the Steelers. Because even though they knew that uh, Antonio Brown had limited his market by virtue of, one, uh, nixing a deal to the Buffalo Bills, and two, mm-hmm. stating that he wanted to be the highest paid receiver in the game, he's still a very good receiver, right? He's still probably yeah. a top two receiver in the league. Yeah. Some might say top three. Um, for you to only get a third and a fifth, and then a few days later, Odo Beckham Jr. gets uh, what was it? A first, a third, and a starting and safety. Peppers, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's not. I mean, it's not good return, but it's certainly better than what the Steelers got. I just can't believe how undervalued the wide receiver position is, especially for two guys that are, you know, easily top five in the league. Yeah, I just um, I mean, like like I say, in a vacuum, it's not the worst trade. I mean, as far as what you get back for it, and but but it looks goofy because I don't I don't know whether the Giants are re- rebuilding or or not. 
you know, because you went and you used the second overall pick last year on Saquon Barkley, who had a ton of carries last year. And by the time you draft a new quarterback and get a new quarterback developed behind Eli, he's going to be approaching the third, third year, fourth year. fourth year of his rookie deal, and he's going to have a ton of mileage on him already. Their 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 timeline. They're going to get him killed would, this year. I know. I They're going to. He's he's going to get absolutely killed. Whatever they have nobody on the outside to even. Like a play action pass means nothing. First, Eli Manning can't throw the ball farther than six yards. I know, I know. And uh and second, there's there's no reason to uh to trust that he's gonna even be accurate. So now it's just like load the box against poor Barkley. No, the I know. Guy probably like, wishes, it, it like, doesn't, it's it's terrible. The timeline doesn't match up for what they're trying to do. Because even if even if they even if they pull a Kansas City and they draft a quarter say they draft Haskins second overall, right? He starts on the bench behind Eli, and they pull like a Pat Mahomes, Alex Smith kind of deal, and then he's ready to go the next year. Okay, you have Saquon, and you have Dwayne Haskins as a sophomore, but you don't have who's catching the ball. Like you got Evan Ingram, who's inconsistent at best. Sterling Shepard. I mean, like who the fuck are you throwing the ball to? And then you know, on the defensive end, the one thing they, I think, the one thing the Giants did do is they went and and traded for. uh, What's his face? The guard from uh, Cleveland when they when they sent um, Olivier Vernon over there too. Yeah. Um, so they they did realize that the offensive line was a joke and tried to fix that. But they're not they're they're putting these pieces together that don't fit on the same timeline. So I'm not really sure where they're going. And then the Cowboys went out and did not get Earl Thomas. That was hilarious. They let uh, Cole Beasley go to the f- Bill- Buffalo Bills. Um, Nothing was better than uh, than the tears that were shed. I mean, it, yeah. it filled the Schuylkill. I actually saw the Schuylkill raise a uh, a couple of inches. It was, it was all those uh, fraudulent, those fraudulent Dallas yeah. Cowboys fans residing in yeah. the in the city of brotherly love. And you know, but, like like Landon Collins is a really good player, pro bowler. He's a great tackler. He's not the best coverage safety. Um, Case Keenum's only had one good year of his career you know um yep. i don't know maybe he plays well in washington maybe he doesn't but but they don't but washington washington never makes any moves to me that like makes really sense. like really like strike any kind of fear in you like like there's never anything the redskins do where you, where you say like oh shit they might be like for real you know um they're all kind of like middling kind of like okay kind of moves but no like blockbuster stuff that ever makes you think that they're they're a threat you know yeah they're they're never afraid to go out and splurge the most money on a free agent but it's not always the right free agent yeah. right i think like that's there's that's a lot the of best miss. way to put it there's a lot of when you're playing hit or miss they have a lot of miss you know but um yep. i don't know man when you look at what the eagles are now i mean think think about it it's it's Deshaun, alshon jeffrey nelson aguilar in the slot zach ertz um, Carson Wentz, left to right, Jason Peters, Isaac Sayamalu, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks coming off the injury, Lane Johnson, and whoever your tailback is. I mean, really, there's only one question mark at running back, and then Peters, if you want to say that's 1.5 or two question marks or something, maybe maybe Brooks with the um, coming off the injury. There really are not a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. You know, obviously Carson with the injury and whatnot, but you have the defensive side. Obviously, you need another defensive lineman, defensive tackle, middle linebacker. You're going to have to go out and get somebody. Secondary looks okay, you know? Um, yeah, although Ronald Darby leaving potentially is not the best thing. Um, nah, but, but I do think that you you got to see some guys at the end of the season, like Avante Maddox, step up and with an off season of, of working in the system. and I don't know. Craven LeBlanc looked all right, you know. He did. He looked Rasul fine. looked better, you know. Um, Rodney McLeod comes back. We'll see if he's healthy. But I don't know. I, I like if you're if you're going down through the NFC East so far. Like you got to say, the Eagles have probably had the best <laughs> off season out of the the division, right? Yep. Hi. Anyway, um, it's a mess. Any um, you, you mentioned f- before that? Well, you mentioned before that there were. Uh, um, the Giants seem to to be working on all kinds of uh, um, players that don't necessarily fit the same timeline, and mm-hmm. that's uh, that's how I feel about the Sixers. You don't think We've the got, timeline matches up with the Sixers? Well, you know, you've got Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They all line up, but Jimmy Butler doesn't. And if there's a guy whose value has dropped more in the course of half a season than Jimmy Butler's, I, I would love to have somebody propose who it is because... We went from having a, a guy trading for a guy that many considered to be a top twenty player in this league, and a guy who could take over a game at, at any given moment, drop sixteen on you uh, in in like a quarter and a half span, 
to being a guy who many in the national media are now saying is at best going to get a three-year deal unless the New York Knicks uh, you know, swing and miss on both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and then are just left with all this money and they just yeah. throw a max at Jimmy Butler just for fun. Mm. I, I I can't believe how this is uh, how this season's playing out. I can't believe how Jimmy Butler has gone missing for such long stretches of games. There's there's one positive that I'll take out of it and then throw it to you because you're down there all the time. But if there's one positive, in a sense, it's that like when Jimmy came in, it was supposed to be he's this me 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 guy, right? And like the news, the story broke about how he called out Brett Brown uh, in a meeting. There was the thing about him um, kind of mocking Brett Brown's play call about a week and a half ago, and he's played this passive style that's almost like the ultimate teammate, right? Like he's facilitating for guys at the expense of his own shot. But at some point, like he's got to start putting threes up again. At some point, he's got to go back to putting up shots. They need him to score. Yeah, I mean, he's it's, been... it's a weird conundrum. It's almost like the pendulum has shifted or has swung way too far in one direction. Now it's swung back in the other direction just as far. Somewhere in the middle would be nice. Well, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that. It's like an overcorrection of sorts, isn't it? Because now you got four guys who all deservedly should have the ball in their hands who can all score the basketball and. People are saying, well, he's being a team player, but he's to the point where he's being a little too passive, I think, you know. Um, he's showing up in the fourth quarter, and he's scoring points in fourth quarters. But, um, yeah, I mean, he just seems, like, strangely deferential early on. And I've, if, if they're winning games and it's working, that's fine. But it's not. I don't think that's something that carries you into next year. You know, it's not like he's going to sign up for a lesser role. I don't think. I don't. I can't read the dude's mind. I mean, he's always kind of like – wishy-washy sometimes he's like wants to talk sometimes he doesn't want to talk sometimes he's goofy sometimes he's not um fourth quarter jimmy jimmy butler is fine but you also have joel Embiid to go to you have jj reddick to go to you put ben simmons in that up down 12 pick and roll you know so i, I don't it does seem kind of strange that he doesn't do you know i think that other game uh, a couple games ago he had eight shots before he took like those two ridiculous step back jumpers in in the home win i can't even remember what the hell game it was um but he had fewer field goal attempts than amir johnson at that point <laughs> you know which is say i like i'm not you know if on on paper if you say that joel Embiid is gonna get you know 17 whatever the hell shots ben simmons will take like 12 shots tobias harris will take like 13 you know, is Jimmy being a good teammate by taking 10 shots or is he not being aggressive enough? I don't know. I think like the fans are split on that. I think some people think he's being a good teammate. Some people think he's being too deferential. It's like a Goldilocks thing, you know? Well, cause it's also like the question of, is he being passive now because he's unhappy with his role well, on the team? Yeah. That's or, one of the ideas. And, yeah. and, and I think that could be part of it. Um, or is it really that he realizes that for them to win, he can't make it about himself. Like ultimately as a player, you want to win a championship, right? Like, and, and part of that, um, and, and part of what's important to you going into free agency is showing that you can win and that you can adapt to what your team needs. We've seen that he can be a scorer. Now we're seeing him as this, you know, secondary initiator of, of offense and, and being a guy who can facilitate for his teammates in a lot of scenarios, in a lot of situations. But I've been disappointed by his lack of catch and shoot, um, I think the numbers had been solid with Minnesota. They were obviously decent in uh, in Chicago. Yeah, his, his pick and rolls haven't been great either, um, it, which is weird because that was that was like where he was supposed well, to. We excel. were clamoring. And, everybody was clamoring for this. Like, well, it's too much motion. It's too much dribble handoff. It's too much transition. So Brett Brown did what the fans wanted them to, wanted him to do, and he ran more pick and roll with Jimmy Butler. And uh, the number the the points per possession numbers on that are not that strong, you know. Um, Joel Embiid, J.J. Redick dribble handoff numbers are, are better than Jimmy Butler pick and roll numbers. And I don't, you know, maybe it's a product of screeners not in, in this offense not having a lot of experience doing it. Um, but, you know, he's getting caught, you know, leaving his feet, throwing bad passes, turning the ball over, being strangely, like, deferential even with the, the ball in his hands, which is weird, you know. I mean, he, has, he hasn't necessarily been driving. I think a lot of his pick and rolls end up sort of being those step back kind of 12 to 14 footers. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Maybe Brett Brown won this fake battle that's going on behind the scenes. I have no idea, but uh, either way, I can't imagine he comes back because I think most people probably say you throw a max at Tobias Harris and 
ask Jimmy if he'll take three years and whatever's left over. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's no, probably, I, that's I the, that's what you would say. That's what I would say. I think that's what Jeff would say. Have, aren't we kind of like in agreement? In I think order? we're all, yeah. I, I even think Phil is in agreement with it. Like oh. I think, I think it's, I think it's consensus. Honestly, like I, I think across the board, it's like you watch Tobias Harris play with this team and it feels like he's been here for quite a while, right? Like it feels like, he fits within the offense in in practically every way. Like I, I think, and he can push the ball too. He can grab a rebound, yeah, and, and, and he'll wave a, off like T.J. McConnell if he want, wants to bring the ball up sometimes. And some of the ways Tobias can create his own shots, he just he really does. He, he just is a better fit, you know. Yeah, he is a hundred percent. And for being a guy who had been like number one in efficiency and pick and roll sets when he played for the Clippers, like to see him come in and. And execute in those situations, but but really fit into this, you know, Brett Brown fusion motion offense. Like it's yeah. been nice. Yeah, I um, he feels he feels like a natural fit here. The the real thing is, if you build around Ben and Tobias and Joel, then you know, using whatever max money would have been there for Jimmy Butler, if you can now reinforce your bench and add depth that you quite frankly just don't have. Yeah. Then like, you know, then it ends up being worth it. The problem is, you know, I haven't looked at this upcoming free agent class. It feels like people are still going to want to see the Sixers go out and try to like, you know, woo the likes of like a Kawhi Leonard or a Clay Thompson. And I just don't I I don't see how there's a path there. Like, I I don't see it at all. So you really are looking into getting into like secondary and tertiary options. It's not a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but I I don't I I, this is the only other thing I want to say. I'm getting sick and tired of people making excuses when this team has a lackadaisical lackluster effort against a bad team. Mm And any time the Sixers get smoked, um, I'm I'm now like I'm very much over the oh the Sixers are now 43 and 0 and Brett Brown is 0 and 24. It's like first of all, shut up! I don't want to see this tweet. Like I don't want to see these tweets. I think they're dumb. Uh, I that said, I think I did one like four weeks ago. Um, number two, I don't care if the Sixers don't have a lot of depth. If you're going up against a Chicago a Chicago Bulls team. And you're still featuring, like, let's say, you know, Joel is out, right? Let's say you, that you still have three of what many consider to be three of, like, the top 30 players in the league. You have to win. Like, that's the thing that I I, I just, I can't wrap my head around why people make excuses for a team that has so much top-end talent. I get that you still need to supplement that with guys that, you know, play well off of uh, off of your three stars or your three stars that are available in that game. But but if like it's if it's Ben Jimmy and Tobias, you should still be able to get past a you know bottom tier Eastern Conference team, and and the fact that they haven't been able to do it, and the fact that with all four of them in the lineup, they haven't been able to like put their foot really on the throat of the Cleveland Cavaliers early in that game, for example, um, on Tuesday night, like that is concerning. You don't see it very often from Toronto. You certainly haven't seen it much this year at all from Milwaukee. I mean, Boston's kind of a mess. They're up and down. Indiana's been playing well out of their minds, but like, I feel like this does not happen with Toronto, with Milwaukee this year. And when you're getting ready for a postseason run, you've got to start, uh, you know, asserting your dominance. And it hasn't happened. Yeah. And that, to well, me, is is the most concerning thing. Uh, well, Milwaukee lost twice to Phoenix. You know, um, they've had some clunkers here. They've and got there. DeAndre Ayton. They've got Devin Booker. They've got. <laughs> Um, the ghost of Trevor Ariza, who doesn't play there anymore. They have Steve Nash I throwing I, I just... throwing phantom lobs to Amari Stoudemire. That helps get them some free points. Shaq played there. Come on. on, the, on the... Phoenix is a really attractive place to play. <laughs> I, dude, I don't it's know. Great. I, I just think they look, they, they had a big win on Sunday against the Pacers. They locked up the tiebreaker with the Pacers. They're probably, the Indy's probably done with the three seed now. Because they still have to play at Boston, at Oklahoma City, at Golden State, at Portland. Like they're, I think they're pretty much cooked. Um, yep. It's just a letdown. It is impressive that they've team. that they've done so well. Again, you know, after losing Victor Oladipo early in the season, yeah, like that, I, that is a testament their head to them. Waters as long as they and possibly could. Yeah. Once again, it's a testament to having a, a really good coach, and that's not a shot at Brett Brown, but like to having a, a coach who is able to adapt his game plan with, quite frankly, not a lot of great top-end talent. Outside of Victor Oladipo, who do they have? Miles Turner? Thaddeus Young? You know what they I mean? Just play, um, all they uh, do is face? play... Sabonis? Like, well, Bogdanovich they, is a player, they, too. They, like they, they play good He's team basketball, agent, and it, it's worked. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, well, they just play, they play Doug Collins' ball, you know? I mean, they play a good defense. They shoot, you know, 
some bullshit that goes in Thad Young will have like a 20 point night when he doesn't you know when one guy's off you know the rest of the team's off so they scored 11 points against the Sixers on in the third quarter the other day so now listen I don't I don't I just think they were you know couldn't really get up for a game against a crappy team after after a big game on Sunday I the, the turnovers you're like just that was kind of the thing again with Brett and I asked him last night because fans were up my ass about it I said Brett you know what do you think you the coaching staff can do to help the turnover issue and he said well yeah there are there are things we can do he kind of gave me like a non-answer to it he didn't want to answer the question I don't really I don't really blame him um actually let me pull it up right now I used a Billy Madison reference in my recap this morning. I did a because it was a really sloppy wow, game, so I did a, a sloppy Joe reference from from Billy Madison. That's the kind of content that you can't get for thirty five percent off only this yeah, week. Now you at Crossing Broad. You're a little younger than us, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Billy Madison. Thank you, yes. God. Okay, because you never seen half big. I know you kids like the sloppy Joes. So anyway, um, I was an Adam Sandler fan as a child. You're like I'm extra sloppy. Uh, I said to Brett, is there anything the coaching staff can do from the sidelines to help the turnover issue? He said, quote, there always is timing, execution, screen setting. Of course there would be. So I had to follow up and I said, uh, how much would you say is tangible stuff that you, you can influence from the sidelines versus the players just having to be smarter with the ball on the floor? And he said, I really don't know the percentage, but to your question, yes. <coughs> so here, here's the thing. A couple things. Thanks, a couple Brett. things of the turnovers. I used to be kind of like a believer that, okay, they run up and down the floor, transition, some higher difficulty passes. They just throw a bigger quantity of passes, right? Um, dribble handoffs as well are harder to execute. There's more timing, rhythm, sync, a synchronicity that needs to be kind of, everybody kind of needs to be like clicking in order to, to make those higher percentage. Um, th- those are not easy plays like if you ever play pick up or play with people are playing a league like anybody can go play pick and roll anybody can do isolation but like trying to time a, a dribble handoff even with somebody you've played with a lot those, those those are higher degree difficulty to get on the same page with people than other stuff um but i used to be in that school of people who said well okay they're just passing the ball more they're running more obviously they're gonna have more turnovers because their play style but only like five of their turnovers Per game or from bad passes and they're turning the ball over 15.6 times a game this year which is actually down from last year it was 16.5 last year and it's 15.6 this year so they have gotten a little bit better but it's never really been about fixing quote-unquote fixing the turnover problem like they're not interested in that it's not about fixing it for them it's about managing it I've said this like 15 times before, but the Golden State Warriors have been a bottom 10 turnover team for like the last four years, and they won three championships doing it. So um, turnovers are about more like containing them and quarantining them uh, and less about like saying we're going to change our entire philosophy, change our entire entire play style to address that because it ain't going to happen. They're not going to play 2011 Doug Collins um boring basketball okay so people can, can stop asking about that can stop talking about that's never going to happen the biggest problem is that joel and ben are just slot just sloppy sometimes you know it's got nothing to do they're just like careless with the ball they got to mature and they got to value the ball more if they cut down on if, if joel and ben cut down say they each had a half turnover less per game the Sixers would be down one full turnover per game. They would improve from 15.6 to 14.6, and they would go from 28th in the league to 22nd. Okay. Hmm. If they improved one turnover per game, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they would go from 15.6 to 13.6, and they would be right around the top 10. So that's how small – I want people to realize if anybody if anybody takes anything away from this this rant right here, it's that the turnover margins, the top and the bottom, the floor and the ceiling in the NBA are very small. It's a very small window. The Spurs are the best team at protecting the basketball this year. They turn the ball over like 12.6 times per game, right? The Atlanta Hawks are worst in the league at 17.7. That's not that's a really smushed in kind of thing there. So the Sixers in order to go from a bottom half to a top half team, they really don't have to improve by that much. Maybe one turnover per game per their, from their two stars and nobody's talking about this. Yeah. No, I think I think it was a good breakdown. 
Thank you for that. But I don't know. I, I don't have anything to add to it. I think I just I think, think you're, it's a. I, I, you're pretty spot I think on. People I, are spending I get why, too much, spending too, a little too much time on that because they see it as like a fundamentals thing, which then like becomes a a coaching thing. But like the NBA is not like coaching your eight year old daughter and saying catch the ball in triple threat position where you can pass, shoot, or dribble. Like these are NBA players, dude. Like the, well, the Sixers' what, um, offense is scoring a ton of points. The defense has been a little bit better. Like it's not. They're not losing games because of of turnovers it's it's can be a problem at, at times but the issues are are deeper than that you know well i mean you know that was the thing that uh anthony and i discussed on uh this morning's snow the goalie the only flyers podcast um we talked about the fact that like scott gordon has kind of taken on a, an nba mentality they don't really uh they haven't really been practicing all that much it's been a lot of skates mm. um and you know minor like just small adjustments in drills but they're they're not like practicing full on it's almost like they've been in body preservation mode for the last few weeks and um it, it feels like as a as a league players are starting to dictate more that you know practice isn't really necessary it's a shame that Allen Iverson played in the uh, the era he did not this one but like the idea of shoot arounds being a thing but not like not going not going like full tilt um, the day before a game, you know, like those kind of things are, are just outdated at this point. Mm-hmm. Guys know that that longevity and availability is more important than, you know, throwing an elbow to get a rebound in a, you know, the final set of practice. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like at some, I feel like at some point, you know, as a fan, like, you know, you could say, oh, you know, fundamentally the, the players, when they come into the league, they're not as fundamentally sound as they used to be. You know, this is why you need to send the kids to college for four years. It's like, yeah, you know, you can keep arguing yeah, that. You can keep not, yelling at a cloud. Yeah, but, like, they, that's never going to happen. Like, that that whole era of basketball is over. Yeah. If you're hanging on to that hope that it's going to come back, you're, you're going to be hanging on yeah, a long time. Yeah, we're not sitting here, you know, going over fundamentals with professionals who are making $20 million a year. You know, sometimes Joel's dialed in, sometimes he's not. Brett can try to get to him, try to get him to mature a little bit. He's 24 years old in his second full year in the NBA. Ben Simmons is 22 years old in his second full year in the NBA. What's disappointing is when a veteran guy like J.J. Redick always has some like crappy turnover that pops up in like the final three minutes of the game. That's the stuff that kills you. You know that they're gonna that the other guys are gonna grow out of this stuff. One of the positives from the Cleveland game, um, I think we've got the playoff rotation pretty much set uh, at this point. James Ennis started for Jimmy Butler last night. Tuesday night and uh, play pretty well. So I think if you're looking at a nine man rotation where that ninth guy kind of, kind of is getting like single digit minutes, which is what they did last year. They went nine deep in the playoffs, but it was really like an eight, eight man with a, with a ninth kind of peripheral guy, Ben Simmons, JJ Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Boban comes in and spells Embiid. You got Mike Scott playing power forward or small ball five. James Ennis is your two-way wing off the bench, and then you play TJ where necessary. Um, I mean, I think that's what your rotation's going to be, you know? Um, yep. Jonah Bolden, I just they, – they don't – you know, he's still got a lot to learn, some defensive reads that he's been he's been missing, uh, you know, foul trouble here and there. You know, Amir Johnson is Amir. You, you call on him if you need him, obviously. But, um, you know, Zaire Smith's not going to be ready. And Jonathan Simmons, you know, I don't I, – he's, you know – James Ennis has been better than Jonathan Simmons has been. So I don't, I don't really see, I don't think it's really that complicated. I think it's a pretty straightforward kind of thing at this point, you know? Yep. Um, is there anything else you have listed here? Uh, Kendall Jenner, Cherry Hill. Now we got to talk about Kendall. Yeah. So, uh, they were spotted at so the you mean Kenny. best by Bendel. But yeah. Yeah. She gets a personalized Jersey. that says Kenny. on. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Isn't it? Kenny rush. She's one yep. of us, man. She can come, she, so here's the thing. I said this before. She, if she's in Los Angeles or New York, like some cosmopolitan bullshit fake poser city, she's got paparazzi up her ass 24-7, you know? Uh, you come to Philly, the only person chasing around is Huey Dillon, you know? He's like our one paparazzo. You've been so excited. <laughs> How long were you uh, thinking about cracking that one out? <laughs> were you just waiting for that reference until... Uh... I think I wrote that in the story. I think I just repeat things that I have already really? written, you know, since I write like eight like stories click, a day just, for the website, you know, so. Yeah, you know. Um, the grind, man, the grind. Huey Dillon is. The grind of Kevin Huey King Dillon's King, like the on. only paparazzo in Philadelphia. He's literally like the only person who gives a shit about what the celebrities are doing. But like, that's that's a cool thing. You know who thing. I picture? I, pi- I picture uh, Steve Keeley from Fox 29. <laughs> I don't know why. 
I feel like Steve Keeley would would be like right a on top of that. So. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know. I could see that. To me, like if 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 you were gonna like uh, make a TMZ show of like TMZ Philly, I feel like Steve Keeley would have to be one of the people that's like on the future. More people. Of that, the future. More panel. people in this area would like go up to Ben and like bug Ben than they would Kendall. That's just what we I are, agree. man. Like our celebrities are sports people, you know. So, so I guess yep. they go over to the Cherry Hill. She Mall. seems the most normal of that clan too. So like I feel like that. Like there's not even the draw of you well, it's know like, cause people trying need... to like pull out some of the crazy. It's just like yeah. hey, like you know, sorry, that, sorry that you're that it seems like a lot of your family's like cuckoo for cocoa puffs. But thank you for being normal. People like like thank have, you. People like to be be able to walk around and be themselves, man. Like every union player who came over here from Europe told me that like one of the best things was that they walked around and nobody knew who they were. They could go take a walk down the street. They could take their dog for a walk or something, or they could go to the Best Buy in the Cherry Hill Wegmans shopping center and they could buy a vacuum cleaner or whatever Ben and Kendall were <laughs> shopping for the other day before they went to. Well, I, I saw that mentioned in a, uh, it was a, a piece that ran in England about Miguel Amiron who had played for Atlanta mm-hmm. United now plays for Newcastle yeah. and about how like one of the things that he's had to adjust to is like, you can't just walk down the street and expect to like go incognito. Yeah. yeah Cause like, whereas yeah. in a, a, Atlanta, you know, for as as large of a fan base, as large of a soccer fan base as they had down there, it was a very different situation than you know playing playing in England for yeah, sure. I mean, but, they're uh, more concerned in Atlanta about like being, you know, the re- the next real housewife or the next rapper or the next what you know NASCAR yeah. star down there. It's a very it's an interesting town. It's like Los Angeles in the South, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I dig, I kind of dig it. Cause like, you know, I've seen videos of Ben and Kendall around and people just don't really bother her. Like there was one where she was ice skating. I'm sure there was probably secured like a bodyguard or security guards or something somewhere. But like for the most, she's like skating around at the friggin' like river rink down at a uh, Penn's landing and nobody, and other people just skating around and Ben's like leaning on the, the side of the rink, just watching her, you know, obviously he's not ice skating cause he'll kill himself, you know, but like people were like leaving him alone. They weren't like bothering him. Like she's, She's one of us, Russ. She's a she's a hardworking, blue collar, self made, <laughs> self made uh, Philadelphia woman. So I think yep. we just she have brings to, her lunch pail and her hard hat to work she's every day like as a Kendall model. Jenner and Tom Cudero, whatever the fuck his name was, the electrician who stopped Manny Machado. They're more similar than I think people realize. Do we build that guy a statue? He obviously sh- scared away Manny Machado, which brought us Bryce Harper, who uh, apparently doesn't like the four-man outfield, but he likes everything else about Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, what do you... So I'm not really a baseball guy, as everybody well knows, but I, I would sit here thinking, like, no, you don't pay Bryce Harper to bunt, but if he can find a way to just slap one down the left-field line, then that four-man four outfield goes away pretty quickly, you know? Yeah, but you know what the problem with that is? I mean, that was what people said about... Uh, Ryan Howard for the longest time, right? It was oh well, you know, just just poke a ball into uh, towards the third base bag and and just see if it's it works. Said He's got that violent swing, man. Yeah. Like the the bat speed that he generates, mm-hmm. the power that he generates in that way. I don't know how you coach him to hit that way without slowing it down or or fundamentally altering the mechanics of his swing, which you quite frankly just don't want to do. I thought it was a bad idea on his part to uh, come out after the first time it was run against him and say, I hope I don't yeah, see that yeah. again. I was like, oh, well, you know, if it's if it's reverse psychology and now all of a sudden you are going to start to poke a ball, um, you know, through a, a massive gap in the infield and cool, but it hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. No, I don't no. think this is going to be like the thing. Ultimately, you know, he starts popping a few hits or, or, you know, running out a few infield singles because, you know, these teams are lining up like they are and all of a sudden, you know that uh, strategy goes well, by the wayside. Well, and also if you're but... if you're sitting there and like Segura is batting before him or McCutcheon is leading off or Cesar Hernandez is leading off, if those guys get on base, like you're not, you know, necessarily four man outfield's not going to help you if if Bryce Harper can just pull one over the fence with two guys on, you know. So, yeah. um, that also plays into it, I think. But I, I don't know. I don't have real. I don't watch enough baseball to to have an opinion on the shift. Uh, you know, it's just like anything in sports. Like I. The example I used in the article when I was writing about it the other day was, you know, like you had Pat, whatever his name is, up at Northwestern, who was he was complaining about RPOs and being communism because they were blurring the lines between downfield legal downfield blocking and illegal downfield blocking, and defensive coordinators adjusted. You know, I mean, strategy in sport is 
cyclical, you know, like you find a wrinkle, then you adjust to the wrinkle and you find a new wrinkle and you adjust to it. It's like, it's like anything in life. Like one, you, you, one thing's popular, the next thing's popular, the next thing's popular. So maybe the shift goes away sooner rather than later. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to get to, I guess, on our way out here. Uh, we've got the, uh, the Sixers obviously in a, uh, uh, run towards the playoffs. They're in, in very good shape. The, uh, Flyers, uh, they got to within three points after Monday night's uh, victory. They currently sit five games out with 13 to play. Um, they're right behind Columbus. Uh, they've got Montreal uh, ahead of them, but Columbus is in the last wild card spot. Carolina just ahead of them. Uh, the Flyers actually are in a position right now. Anthony and I continue to disagree. We've been disagreeing about this for about two months now. I still think there is a chance that the Flyers make the playoffs, uh, even if they don't. Um, you know, I, I think they're in a spot where they've had a lot of young players step up in very meaningful games these last few weeks. You've now seen how Scott Gordon's uh, game plan can be implemented in a way that makes sense and makes the best use of his young guys and his vets. And I think they they have a, a ton of decisions to make this offseason. I wrote up a thing about restricted free agents. Like, there was all kinds of flyer stuff that's been going up on the site. So I would just say uh, go check out Snow the Goalie for that kind of stuff. But the the big news this week was Jake Voracek being suspended for a hit on Johnny Boychuk on um, Saturday. It was Voracek and, and uh, Nolan Patrick's return to the lineup. They both posted multi, um, a multi-point game in that. Um, but Voracek ends up getting suspended because uh, with Johnny Boychuk coming at him, for those who didn't see it or those who don't watch hockey or whatever, um, Johnny Boychuk is, I don't know, like roughly 15 feet away from Voracek. Voracek, if he allows himself to get hit, uh, is likely going to be driven into the boards, probably head first um, in a better or I guess maybe worst case scenario. He gets hit from behind, goes to the ice and then slides and his head hits the boards. So instead he braced himself and his shoulder came up and hit Boychuk in the head. Um, and the NHL suspended him for two games, which was excessive. And their explanation of it, which you embedded in a, a post earlier today, um, didn't really make a lot of sense. He met on, uh, I think it was he met today, with Gary Bettman, or, or it might have been Tuesday, with uh, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman in person to uh, appeal, and uh, the appeal was uh, denied. Their initial ruling was upheld, so Voracek is going to be out on Thursday night as the Flyers host the Capitals. It's a it's a blow for the team, but if nothing else, it, this team that you know used to crumble at the first you know hint of adversity, all of a sudden out of nowhere, is now able to uh, and has been able to rise up and overcome a lot of obstacles. So. The Flyers are actually an interesting talking point in the city, so uh, I would encourage people to go listen to uh, a detailed breakdown on the stuff on Snow the Gold. I got a. Um, uh, I have something to end on here, Russ. Go ahead. Uh, so Cole Beasley is going to the uh, the Buffalo Bills, right? Um, yep. Some fan quote tweeted him and said, "It's a big mistake. The Bills can't and won't win." And uh, Beasley responded by saying, I was with the Cowboys for seven years. We didn't win either. I'll be all right. Oof. Oof. <laughs> kind of like Cole Beasley now. I actually kind of liked Oof. him before because he's sort of like a just tell it, tell it how it is dude on, uh, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to, to hit on very quickly, Kevin. So every once in a while I go and I check to see if there's been a new review on Crossing Broadcast. And there is. Yeah. Uh, there's one from March 6th. It's a one-star review, which I'm starting to like because uh, when there's a one-star review, I usually like to go into the person's profile and I look to see if they reviewed anything else. And uh, there's one here, and I actually recognize the name. So uh, this one is by uh, Dom Kane NFL. I know that name because I remember this person being very upset with me earlier in the season, the Flyers season. Um, Michael Neuver played in a game uh, coming off of injury. Neuver played, gave up a really weak goal, and I remember tweeting something to the effect of, and that, my friends, is why Michael Neuver should never play another game for the Philadelphia Flyers. And guess what, Kevin? He hasn't played another game since, and he will not play another game for the Philadelphia Flyers. This guy got mad. Apparently, he's related to Neuver yeah. and was like, don't talk crap on his game. I'm like, well, I didn't know those he, people were out his, there. Yeah. His, his game is crap, but apparently he's related, and he thought like he took that personally that I said that uh, Neuver should never play uh, um, another game. Anyway, he left a five, or a not a five, a one star review saying that I'm awful, mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, that's usually pretty okay. true. And uh, well, we appreciate yeah. we appreciate all our listeners. Go to iTunes and leave us a one star review, and uh, yeah, we'll, sure, 
have, yeah, have at share it. On one social, star, you know, do all that. Yeah. One star, five star, three stars are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Three stars are like the lukewarm. Go to iTunes and leave us maybe. a one star review. And thanks for your support. Yeah, just, just, just. I'm Veronica. Let's see, can we bounce? Too. Can we balance this out? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh, I guess on our way out here, uh, do you want to do a plug for uh, the show that you recorded a little bit earlier? Do you want to reveal who the special guest was, or do you want people to just go tune in to It's Always Soccer nah, in Philadelphia? No, they can tune in to Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Your your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union are 0-2 and, and uh, have yet to score a goal. About to be 0-3. Yeah, have yet to score a goal from the run of play. So everything's looking, uh, everything's looking pretty typical. Wait, so you're not going to tell us? Like, I hyped that up and you're not no. going to tell us? This is like watching the Bachelor finale where all these people were upset that they didn't get to find out if Colton lost his virginity or not. He said he was going to keep it to uh, to himself. Very Fuck sad. Fuck the Bachelor. They hyped that up for the whole season, and then you it got to the end. Shit, and he said, oh I did. God. I watched this season. I hated myself for watching it, but I can tell you 100%, I will not watch the next season of The <laughs> Bachelorette because they picked this woman from Alabama who legitimately can't put together 10 words in a row without having a panic attack. I watched... Um, uh, I it watched- is... She's a pageant. She was like a pageant queen, and she can't speak. She just says, "I don't know. I don't know what. I, I don't know what." I watched uh, Vanderpump Rules with my wife last night. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't. Go to iTunes and leave a one star review. That should be the name. That should be the All name right. of this podcast. Go to iTunes and go leave to one. iTunes and leave a one star review. <laughs> We're gonna get some new artwork, some new uh, iTunes, or some album artwork for the uh, for the new show. Uh, welcome into uh, go to iTunes and leave a one star review. The only Philadelphia five for five <laughs> podcast. Has <laughs> it, it really rolls off the tongue, on to doesn't it? Here. Yeah, I think we've got some momentum go. going here. Uh, to give people an idea of what the schedule for the Crossing Ride Podcast Network right, is going to look man, like, super. as I mentioned, as, yeah, I'll say, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Snow the Goalie released a new episode this morning. Kevin has "It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia" with his special guest coming up. I believe he should be finishing up the editing of that tonight, so I'm assuming it'll go out by the uh, by the weekend. Phil Kaidel and I have. Uh, planned on recording a new episode of Crossing Broad FC to break down the Champions League round of 16, which is uh, has come to its conclusion today. There were some exciting games there. Um, crossed up with Bob and Anthony. I think they're going to record tomorrow night, so that would be a Thursday night. I believe we will be dropping that episode on Friday, and that should cover it all, I believe. Two soccer shows, hockey, baseball, and this show. Yes, that's all of them. So, um, go check those shows out. Subscribe to them on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. And please try to go over to iTunes and uh, leave a five-star review for those shows. And if you enjoy them, leave that. If you don't enjoy them, still leave them five stars. Tell them why you don't like it, and they'll they'll read it anyway. Five-star reviews are helpful. So uh, for Kevin, at Kevin underscore Kincaid, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. We'll talk to you again next week.